The title of this sermon, as it is almost every year, the first Sunday of the year, is First Things First. And I want you to make note of the importance of starting right. It's important to start right. If you don't, you can always come back and start again. But to get to capture the spiritual inertia and momentum of a year and, and give this first part of the year to the Lord is so critical. And I also want to drop this. There's a principle in this of putting God first. In Matthew chapter 6, three times in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And he gives specifics. He says things like, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you have. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And he gives us a principle that if you put God first, everything else will take care of itself. And that is so incredibly simple and yet our flesh and the pressures of the world and temptations, distractions, and a million other things um, get us to lose focus of putting him first. But in first things first, starting right, when you put God first, everything works out. Everything works out. Paul teaches us this in Colossians chapter 1. This is a universal principle. Everybody look here. Everybody heard the law of gravity? Whether you accept it, believe it or not, rebuke it, pray against it, it's a law. It's a universal law. And what we're talking about right here is a biblical principle that is a universal principle and law. Paul helps us to understand that it's not just for church people, but that the principle of putting Christ first, it's throughout the universe. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, all things were created through him and for him. Everybody know who him is? Say it out loud. Who is him right here? It's Jesus, right? Jesus Christ. Everything, all things were created through him and for him. And he, Jesus is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. When he's first, everything's for him. It's by him and through him. And when he's first, he's, he is able to hold all things together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now listen, right here, this last part of the, the B part of verse 18, that in everything... He might be preeminent, everything. So look here. What Paul is talking about is the fact that this is a universal, this is not just on planet Earth, you know. This is throughout the universe. Jesus comes first. He is preeminent. So look, that's how the world works. This is how the world works. The world works with Jesus being first. When he's not first in our lives, our world doesn't work in the world. And that's the principle that we're to get. But when he is first in our lives, our world is congruent with the laws of the universe. And so we come at the first part of this year to give him first things this is all throughout scripture. Cain, the Bible says he gave God an offering. But Abel gave him 
the first things. The first, Abel, Abel didn't just go get a random, um, just trivial offering and said, here you go. That's what Cain did. And his was not accepted. Abel, Abel selected. That's what came in first. That's what belongs to God. And we see it in, in, throughout the book of Joshua, throughout the Old Testament, and into the New Testament. And, and we make things so complicated. When he is first, when he is first, he's preeminent. Our whole world is congruent with how things work throughout the universe. Now, with that foundation, this is the second thing I want to share with you this morning. And it is the word that the Lord dropped in my spirit in early December for us as a church. And I don't go looking for these. Um, Not every year does the Lord give me a word or a verse for us. I don't go looking for them. I don't read the book. I don't think I've got to Google and find out what's trending, what could motivate our people. The Holy Spirit literally just, it finds me. And somewhere December 3rd or 4th this year in my devotion, the Lord spoke to me about the word for us is urgency, that we are to be urgent. And I want everybody to just get that in your mind. Now listen here, urgency or being urgent is not being frantic. To be urgent doesn't mean that you panic or you're distraught. To be urgent doesn't mean you're stuck behind the eight ball or between the rock, a rock and a hard place. It's different. That's not what I'm, I feel like the Lord would have us say. In this world, we need to understand the difference between panic and being urgent. Urgency is the noun form, and it means importance, requiring swift action, an earnest and persistent quality. The adjective form of the word is urgent. We're to be urgent of a state or situation requiring immediate action or attention. The opposite is to see things, they're not urgent, they're trivial or negligible, minor or unimportant, not urgent. And I just want everybody to understand, I believe in the season that we're in, that this is... Other churches, other pastors may have words like blessing or favor. Um, And I'm not saying we won't get that this year. But I'm saying I believe the beginning of 2022, none of us know what's about to happen. Two years ago, none of us knew what was about to happen. We don't fix our eyes on what's about to happen. We fix our eyes on the one who makes all things happen. And he makes all those things that we don't like work for our good. And we need a lot of God influence in our first things, first things, first things right now. Are y'all out there this morning? How many, of you, how many of you are glad I'm in church on the first Sunday of the year? I'm here first day of the week, first thing of this, of this day. I'm here, Lord. Now, urgent, you know, urge, we go to urgent care. About five years ago, I think it was exactly this month, I got a call. I was at Ted's eating at Avalon with somebody and I got a call from my mother who had had a pacemaker for about, at that time, six or seven years. She had a total of 10 or 12 years. And she said to me, Chuck, I think my heart is, do-. She, had, she had been in and out. And she was having a, a, a series of, 
um, AFib and all this stuff was happening with her pacemaker. And at that time, mom was in her early 80s, 82 or 3. And, um, and I, I felt, okay, I don't need to wait till my meal comes. I don't need to wait to finish. And I said to Bill, the guy I was eating with, I need to go. And so I ran over to South Forsyth and I, I got mom and dad and I took them to Emory Johns Creek. And even pulling, going down 141, my mother was talking about the fact her heart was doing that again. And um, as we pulled in, we lost her for a second and she came back. And as we got her into the ER, we, we noticed as they took her vitals, they quickly got the doctors to come out. And like, there were a lot of people waiting and she got into the ER quickly. And then it was just a few minutes after them getting her hooked up, we were watching her heart. She flatlined for 12 to 14 seconds, and it felt like an eternity. And the Lord, listen, I didn't think about this. I didn't ask myself, are there spirit-filled people in this room? Is this okay? for? The, I just, what, it was like a knee-jerk reaction. I moved to the foot of her bed, and I began to pray in the spirit. And she raised up, and her heart, it was an incredible situation. And, you know, they hit her a couple times. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations. I'm like, that's my poor mom. And, I mean, they hit her. And um, I was praying in the spirit. And there was a, a male RN from Jamaica. And he looked to my father and he said, your, your, your son just saved your wife's life. And I was like, and uh, he was from Jamaica and, they're familiar with spiritual issues, and I guess he had a spirit-filled background. And the Lord raised mom up and gave her five more years. And I, I share that story because there's a couple of different things that happened. When we got there, they didn't panic. They didn't become frantic. You don't go to urgent care and pull the bandage off, and they see you cut, and the work, person working triage goes, Ah! Oh, somebody go, I don't like blood. You know, they don't do that. And, and when, well, I was in my mother, in the room, and the, this was pre-COVID, of course, and so when I was in the room, she, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. It moved us. God gave mom five additional years. And to watch that, and, and then, it, and my dad began to weep. N nor did I go, the Holy Spirit in me moved me to the foot of her bed. And I didn't ask any questions. Is it okay if I pray? You know, I just, I began to pray. And God gave us a miracle and sustained mom for five more years. And I give you that picture because we're in a situation in our world that the, the enemy would love for us to focus on the cut and feel, oh, we're stuck we're behind the, the eight ball. And the odds are against us. And, and that, let that spirit not come in this place. You know, and why, why do y'all say all this stuff, Pastor Chuck? You may not be aware of this, but there are numerous versions of the Bible right now that are offering up retranslations. There are key doctrines that are going to accommodate a lot of cultural sins. And we are right now in the midst of an epoch that we are seeing Christianity reshape itself and reinvent itself in America into something that is not even Christian. It's not. How many of you are thankful to God for historic, orthodox, biblical Christian faith? 
Come on, how many of you in the name of Jesus? And so we're not here to panic. We're not here to get frantic. But we are here with a sense of urgency. And I believe that that's what God would have us to embrace throughout 2022. Now, Ephesians 5, Paul gives us a picture of this in these two verses. Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. I think the King James Version says, walk circumspectly, walk looking around. The the Latin, that term is be aware of what's happening around you. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, please underscore this if you're taking notes, understand what the Lord's will is. And isn't that what we're all after? We all want to know what is God's will? What's his direction? What does God want? What, how does his universe want to operate right now? We all want to know the Lord's will. And so we need to be urgent. We need to walk circumspectly. You see, to watch or look carefully at how we live, to be vigilant, to be sober. And so that's what we're after. Now, those are the first two things. Now let me introduce to you what we're about to begin on Tuesday. Um, Typically, we've done 21 days of concentrated prayer and fasting. And this year, I feel led that we're to, I'm I'm to encourage everyone that we're going to enter into a season of 40 days, knowing that some of you will do seven days, 10 days, 21 days, some of three days, and that's okay. It's totally between you and the Lord. But as a church and as a staff, we're entering into a season of 40 days as we give the first part of this year to the Lord. And um, so we're going to fast. And I know there have been a lot of questions, and because of the... um, circumstances beyond our control we haven't been able to get a lot of stuff out on fasting the links on website and facebook and whatnot but i want to point your attention to a couple things ultimatedanielfast.com and um, daniel-fast.com are a couple websites that i've used throughout the years to help teach and point people on how to eat through a daniel fast and so Everybody, like Daniel fast. Where does Daniel fast the term come from? From the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, he resolved not to, to eat the king's meat or drink the king's drink. And then he was put into a cultural uh, squeeze where the, the jailer said, if, if you don't eat and you start looking weak, the king's going to come and it's going to be my responsibility. And my, I'm going to be on the chopping block. And I, I'm not going to let that happen. And Daniel said, just do it for a week. Just give us 10 days. And um, he said, all right, just, give us, just bring us vegetables and, and water. And so the Daniel fast typically for me is no meat, no sweets, and drinking only water and coffee. You can fast coffee. I just wouldn't advise it. And I, I don't have to have coffee in my fast. I do that for your sake. Sundays would be hard for me. It, I, it would probably be impossible for me to carry out my duties um, as what we're getting ready to do. And so, the, but everybody listen here. What happened when they came, when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had fasted for a week, done the Daniel fast? They were 10 times smarter. They were stronger 
in every way, their aptitude for learning. It's remarkable. But don't talk about the lion's den and the fiery furnace and the prophetic words that Daniel got unless you talk about the fast that took place. And so what happens is when we pray and fast, we, it's not us earning points with God. Something happens in the realm of the spirit when we choose to put our flesh, our selfish carnal desires in the back seat and let God by his spirit get in the front seat. Things happen. And the perfect picture of this is in Matthew, in, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9. Everybody look here. I know you've heard this story, but I share this with you to encourage you to consider. Because I know when I, you know, Pastor Chuck, it's rainy. We're just out of the holidays. Georgia's playing in the national championship. COVID. Fasting. Oh, are you serious? I am serious. And I know that many people go, fasting's only for like really serious people, spiritually mature people. And you don't have to fast like I do. It's personal. It's between you and the Lord. But brothers and sisters, I encourage you. Jeremiah 33.3, God says, call unto me. I'll answer you. And I'll show you things you haven't seen. In that passage, he goes on. He says, you think there'll never be the sound of joy again in this desolate place. You call unto me, seek me, and the sound of singing will be restored. How many of you want in our nation the sound? This is not going to be a desolate nation. The people of God are going to stand in the gap. And we're going to hear the sound of singing, godly singing, worship in our nation again. Are y'all out there this morning? That's what, so I know, I'm not, I don't get voted the most popular preacher on Rucker Road this morning because I'm preaching on fasting, but I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm trying to help you get into a realm where you can sing House of Miracles and begin to expect in your life supernatural breakthroughs in your life. Like the breakthrough of the, the man who had a son who was tormented from birth by an evil spirit. The Bible said, the, the man told Jesus, said, sometimes the spirit throws him into a fire. Have you ever had a child that you're like, the spirit throws him everywhere, into candy, into trouble, into alcohol, into pornography. The spirit comes, and this was a man who, I mean, his life was altered because he was raising a, guy, a young man who couldn't function. And so this was a desperate situation. It was an impossible situation. And that man did what most of us would do. Took them to a place where there was spiritual resource available to the disciples. This was as high as you could go except for to Jesus. And the disciples prayed. And nothing happened. And thank God the man arranged a deal to be able to get his son before Jesus. And Jesus prayed. And the first thing Jesus, when the man explained the situation, your disciples, they prayed. And Jesus said, oh, faithless generation. And that's not him going, oh. That's him going, oh, I can't wait till you receive the Holy Spirit. And the revelation you're going to need that you can handle these and they don't have to line up and get to me. 
And Jesus prays over him, and he is supernaturally delivered. And there's no way in this room that any of us... Imagine if you had a child who was an invalid or was mentally disabled since birth. And here they are in their late teen years or early 20s. And now they're touched supernaturally, and they can function on their... And you can just go, they're going to be able to get married. They're going to be able to have a job. They're going to be able to have... We're going to have grandchildren through this son. God miraculously healed him. How many of you know that was a great day? That was an amazing day. It's hard for us to even comprehend. But then what happened? The disciples felt less than. And when they got alone with Jesus, they said to Jesus, how'd you do that? And he simply says in verse 29, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. He didn't say this kind. This kind comes out by prayer. He said, and fasting. There's a level of seeking God with all of our hearts that when we do that, we open the door for the supernatural in our lives. I, I could preach for 15 minutes. I feel the Holy Spirit. Many of us are dealing with this kind of situation, right? We have desperate situations, impossible situations. We have situations that are limiting our ability to be an adult because we're caring for someone or something that's inhibiting us and keeping us from being able to live life. And Jesus says, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. How I many of you know our culture? Our culture's in a this kind of category right now. Are y'all out there? But we are not frantic. We are not distraught. We are going to get urgently focused for immediate action. We're going to seek God with all of our hearts. We're going to seek God with faith, opening and availing ourselves to him in his supernatural realm of miracles in the name of Jesus. How many of you love for 2022 to become a year that, you know, I get tired of reading about things that happened 50 years ago. I get tired of hearing about Coleman and the miracles that are going on. I don't get tired of it, but I do get envious of what's happening in, in Africa, all over the continent the miracles of what, how God's providing for those orphanages. I want to see miracles here. Is there anybody in this room that you have a desperate miracle and you're ready to contend with God to see him intervene on your behalf? Anybody? Come on. Let's give him praise as a down payment that there is an intervention coming in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you believe it? Now, did you hear what I say? Do, do you believe it? Because this is the place where Jesus said to the man, do you think I can do this? And he goes, I do, but help my unbelief. So God, in the name of Jesus, I don't know if it's all up to us or all up to you, but whatever your plan is, Lord, we want to get in alignment with your word. And we say, Lord, help our unbelief. Just we want to avail ourselves. Now, four things I've learned through the years about fasting that happened to me. Number one, he roots me in my identity as a son. There's just something that happens when I put my flesh on the back burner and his spirit gets on the front. And it just, he reminds me of what a perfect father he is. And it helps me come to securely be reminded that I'm his son. Second thing is, he awakens longing in me. And that's not something that comes natural in North America, especially in North Atlanta. We don't have a lot of things we long for. We don't have a lot of things we're desperate for. We have to go through a situation like has happened in our world in the last couple of years for us to even really long for him. 
And he's using that in beautiful ways across the church in, the nation, in our nation. But when I fast, it awakens my spirit to a longing that I desire for more of him. Third thing that happens is he settles the traffic. Is your mind busy? You know, it, when I fast, I slow down. God begins to settle all the distractions, all the shiny nickels and the squirrels in my life. He settles the traffic in my mind. And then fourthly, this is most important for me. He awakens me to his voice at a greater level. And I just pray for a common understanding that we would come to understand in our church family that God speaks to his sons and daughters and that it's not a cuckoo weird thing. It's not an abnormal, paranormal thing, but God speaks to his children. And when we fast, I know for me, I'm awakened to his voice at a greater level. There's greater clarity and there's greater volume and I hear him. Now, let's talk about two things and we're moving to a close in the next 15 minutes or so. Fasting, it is a choice that I make of me putting myself in a weak position in order that God might put himself in a strong position. Paul talks about this in Corinthians. In my weakness, he is strong. In my strength, he is weak. Fasting, it is a deliberate focus on emptying myself Becoming less, John 3.30, in order that I might make room for him to be more. Fasting shouldn't be called fasting because it slows everything down. If you think your life is a blur and you're getting old too soon, just fast for a week. The minutes turn into hours and the hours into days. And a day feels like a week. Is anybody knowing what I'm talking about? It just has a way of slowing everything down. And here's what it does do. It does, fasting slows things down and gets us in a disposition to where God speeds things up. He becomes a catalyst. And in fasting, I don't have words to put in in, in English what I want to say. In fasting, I have learned that He puts me in a place of being empty and weak and desperate. And he becomes that catalyst. And he catapults me into places I would have never gotten there without fasting and prayer and deliberately seeking him. How many of you love to be catapulted into a new season of faith, a new dimension of miracles, of strength, of hearing his voice? Come on, if you're not... How many of you long for that? I mean, may we, oh God, help us, Lord, to get in that place. Now, so, two things happen, and this is it right here. And then we're going to take communion in just a minute. What happens when I fast is my soul gets quiet and my spirit rises within me. My soul, my soul, the flesh part of me. Everybody look here. The flesh, and for the sake of young believers or um, young sons and daughters, flat, this is not my flesh. That, that's not what we're talking about. I mean, that is my flesh, but that's the carnal side of me. Carnal, well, thanks a lot, Pastor Chuck. What's carnal mean? 
It's that selfish part of my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. How I think, my mind. How I feel, my emotions. And then how I think and how I feel determines how I make decisions. And that's a big deal. And so when I take my flesh, my desires, what I want, and put them in the back seat and deny my flesh, God gets in the front seat. And it's amazing how his spirit and my spirit rises up within me and increases my faith. My prayers are more laser-focused. My behavior, what he does in me and through me, it's a whole new dimension. It's like watching him work in my life. It's an amazing experience. And that's the spirit-filled experience for us. So my soul gets quiet and my spirit rises within me. And this is what Paul was talking about. For all who are led by the spirit are the sons of God or are the children of God. Psalm 131 it says this in the NAS, in the New American Standard Bible. Look what it says right here. Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes arrogant, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. I have... How did... David, how did you get in that place where you can say, my heart's not proud, my eyes are not arrogant, and I'm not involving my ma- myself, my mind in great matters or, list- or things that are too difficult for me. How did you get, first of all, let me answer, let me tell you this. Many of us believers right now through political stuff, COVID, vaccine, masking, all of these issues, we are being so tempted to be involved in things that are above our pay grade. There are so many things that are causing us to be arrogant, to be concerned about political stuff, conspiracy stuff. So many things that our souls can't be quieted. And we're trying to open doors that God has not caused us to open. I'm going to just get real with you all. You know, so Pastor Chuck, are you saying be irresponsible? No, I'm not. And I'm not uninformed of what's happening. But, listen to me, some of us need to be as focused or urgent about seeking God as we are about getting the next data download for what somebody thinks is happening in the world right now. Because David says this right here. My heart is not proud. My eyes are not arrogant. Look, I don't involve myself with great. There are things that are too difficult for me. I can't figure them out. There was a point last year. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I've told you before, 1 Corinthians 2.11. Am I a conspiracy theorist? Yes, it's not a theory. Satan, is, he, he holds the whole world under his sway. Are y'all out there? So I don't need a conspiracy. I know there's an, a spirit of the Antichrist. We need to wake up to that. You know, so I'm not ignorant of these things. But here's what I am. I had to make, I talked to Candace about this. I was like, I, I, need, I need at some point 
Yeah, I read, I got that text. Yeah, I listened to that podcast. Yeah, I saw that YouTube. I got that word from the Lord. Yeah, and yeah, I read, thanks for sending me that book. And, and I'm like, oh. And it, 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 it had me distracted because I was concerned with two things that were too great for me. Don't hear me saying, Pastor Chuck, are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Don't hear me saying that. Hear me saying, I'm going to the one who is above all the people we're talking about. I'm going to the source and I'm letting him speak to me and he's inviting me to speak to him. Are y'all out there this morning? Mm -mm. There is a freedom. I've never seen anything like this in my whole life and the way it's distracting and consuming so many of us. And I know what kind of people are drawn to this church. And I'm not saying drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not saying bless them or do that. I am saying this. Let's seek God. Let's get urgent about putting our flesh on the back seat so that his spirit can get in the front seat. And we're getting ready to see things that are going to blow our mind. This is getting ready to be a nation of miracles if the people of God will do that. I'm going to pause because y'all need to say amen. Amen. Secondly, verse 2 in this passage, he says, I have certainly soothed and quieted my soul. I have. I made the choice to do this. Why? So that I would stop being concerned with things that are too great for me. And now that I have soothed my soul, like in fasting, I'm like a weaned child resting against his mother. My soul within me is like a weaned child. Israel, wait for the Lord from this time on and forever. In the name of Jesus, may our souls get quiet in this season of seeking him so that his spirit rises up within us. Secondly, lastly, of the two things I wanted to share here at the end, what happens to me is the word becomes clearer and louder, as I mentioned earlier. And I want you to see something in the scriptures, everybody. God brings the children of Israel out of bondage. They were in Egypt as slaves for 430 years. And the thing they spend most of their time thinking about, the thing that tempts them to want to go back, that thing that causes them to lose focus on the future, on their destiny, that thing that causes them to lose, Ephesians 5, God's will for them is their love for the food they ate back in Egypt. God gets them out of Egypt in one day. And 40 years later, he's still trying to get Egypt out of them. He couldn't do it. So only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, of the three million, give or take 100,000, only two of them got to go into the place of destiny because of what was happening in that, listen, transitional season from bondage to destiny. And this is where most people lose it. They fall off the wagon. Now, if you can get your food perspective right, you'll begin to hear the word of the Lord more clearly in your life. It's amazing. I know I'm skating on thin ice right now. I've been you know, pastoring, not all my life, but I've been doing it for long enough to know there's two things. 
Christian people don't want their pastor to talk about too much. One is their generational consequences, the bondage that we inherit. And I've talked a lot about that. And Thank God for the cross and Jesus. Uh, we're overcomers of everything we have inherited, but we do have to overcome it. But people don't want to talk about that stuff. People get defensive. People have to go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, like they're in third grade when that stuff starts happening. The second thing is, Pastor Chuck, don't talk to me about how I'm treating God's temple. Don't talk to me about food. I'm not. I'm talking to you about not eating food. So we're not talking about food. <laughs> you know. But in all seriousness, brothers and sisters, we, even the current crisis right now, it has so much to do with the condition we've let his temple that he's loaned us be in. If, if you can get your food perspective right, if you can view food right, it's amazing how that is the key for you to be able to hear God's voice. In the, in the wilderness, Exodus chapter three, uh, 16, verse 3, it says, look right here, this is the word describing that transitional season that is so tricky. If only the Lord had killed us back in it, we'd be better off if he'd just killed us. Killed us while we sat around the Golden Corral buffet, pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you, man of God, brought us out into this wilderness to starve us to death. Isn't that so sad? Psalms describes it this way, and it says, they lusted exceeding, they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert, and he gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. Listen quickly. They lusted exceedingly, lusted after it. It's all they could think about was food, food, food. And God was giving them manna. He was speaking to them. But they didn't want to, they didn't want to have to be dependent on God. Your flesh does not want to have to walk in faith. And this was all God was trying to do was get them to understand. For me to get you in the place of destiny, you've got to learn to depend on me. You've got to learn that you need to hear my voice. Manna, every morning. What does manna mean? What is it? Every morning we are to answer. We are to open our eyes, get up and say, God, speak to me about what is it? What is it going on in my life today? And they, they were like, oh, we don't want to get up and ask that. We don't want to get up and have devotions with you. We want to go back and be slaves where we have filet mignon and prime rib. We got to go to Stony River and Outback, Gold Corral, raise burgers, and eat Arby's and french fries. And God's food, Chick-fil-A, for Pete's sake. And here you are having us out here. Look what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Everybody look here before we, before we read that. I, I can't, I, I want you to get something that is seldom ever taught. In verse 3, Deuteronomy chapter 8, the first 10 verses are awesome, but I don't have time to do all 10. But I want to zero in on verse 3. Look what the Bible says. About that season, God humbled you. He let you go hungry 
and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order to make you know. Know what? That man does not live on bread alone, but man shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Did you get that? God's saying, he humbled you, made you go hungry, and he fed you with manna that you didn't know. Your, your parents had never known. To Listen, He's feeding you something that you didn't want to make you know food is not how you live. You live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how you live. Because when you understand the word of God, we go back to Ephesians, how I started this morning, then you understand the Lord's will. In the name of Jesus, may we have a love for hearing God's voice, of being able to say, God, what is it? What's going on? Now speak to me. And that's the whole deal as we come to fast. You know, God has so many things. I wish I could get in your ear right now and God just tell me everything to tell you. But it doesn't work that way. He wants you to seek him so that he can get in your ear and tell you things, Jeremiah 33, things that you don't know yet. Everybody look here. You mean there are things if I seek God that he's going to tell me that I don't know? Yeah. Things you've never heard. Perspectives you've never had. Love you've never experienced. And so we start 2022 going, okay, God, first things first. Um, I've got to close this because I'm getting all kinds of new things I'd like to add this morning. I'm not going to add them. How many of you know there's 51 more Sundays in the year and I can preach them in the next 51, right? But I know this is like going to the dentist and you're like, Pastor Chuck, what pastor talks about fasting? This one does. And why? Because there's so much more. And we're in a this kind of situation in our world. Perhaps your marriage, your family, you have children that are this kind. And you need a breakthrough. And I know how simple it is in our own life how God has moved. I know that in the next, I don't know, 20 years, 15, 20, 25 years, whatever, at the end of my fruitful years of being in ministry, if someone comes to me and asks me, Pastor Chuck, What's, what have you learned the secret to ministry is? I'm going to say praying and fasting and meditating on God's word. Those three things. Praying and fasting. You, you birth things that, listen, some of you, I've, we've had people, I'm thinking one couple in particular about three, four years ago, in the fast left the church and the the, the man let me know it doesn't work. You're talking about issues and control. You're, you're blaming me that your God hasn't moved in your fast. He said, I feel horrible. I'm like, bro, 
You're getting detoxed. That's why you feel horrible. All that crap in your life is coming out. I said crap. Park if you're dyslexic. I don't know why I said that. We just needed a mental burp. Um, when When you start fasting and praying... God is a marinator. We're microwavers. He's a farmer. And we want formulas. We want to go to the doctor and have surgery and get fixed. When God says, there's a better way. And this morning, you know, may we sow something in this season Here's what's going to happen, brothers and sisters. I prophesied this, and it's not even prophecy. It's just his word. You sow something now in this season in prayer and fasting. In August, you're going to have some stuff happen in your life. And you're going to be like, oh, wow, where did that? And God, Holy Spirit's going to go. That manifested in August, but it was planted in January when you begin to seek me. How many of you are okay if you just plan it in January and it doesn't come to pass until March or Jan- uh, June or August? How many of you are okay with that? Okay, the rest of you, don't try this stuff, okay? Don't try it. How many of you are okay planting and trusting God and you're not going to concern yourself with matters that are too great for you. You're going to let God handle that stuff. Are y'all out there this morning? Listen, I told you I'm, 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 I'm going to coach you, teach you this morning. Not preaching a rah-rah. But I just, in, in the name of may God raise up a praying church. I want to challenge some of you. Tuesdays, these next six Tuesdays, I want to see this main floor filled. We're going to pray with an urgent focus, with laser focus. We're going to pray. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, by the authority of the Holy Spirit in me, I can feel it and see things. I've already been praying. And I see there are things that are embryonic, yes. You can't see them yet, but they're, they've conceived. And we're going to see some things happen. We're going to see some, And I just, as I look at you guys up there, I want to challenge some of you. I was a... Junior in high school when I began to fast, and I thank God for this principle, and I want to challenge some of you. Offer up social media, meat or sweets. Offer up something to the Lord, and you watch him take you at this season and make a Daniel out of you in the name of Jesus. How many of you, come on, just stand with me right now, and let's put ourselves in a posture before the Lord. Lord, we're coming after you. We're seeking after you with all of our hearts all of our minds, all of our strength, all of our souls, Lord. We're coming to seek you, Lord. We praise you that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. We praise you right now, Lord. Let faith be released in this house in the name of Jesus. And brothers and sisters, I'm speaking to the spirits that limit you and inhibit you. I'm speaking to your minds right now. All of those limiting factors, those inhibitors, in the name of Jesus, you are not behind an eight ball. You're not stuck between a rock and a heart. No need to be frantic, but there is a call for you to be urgent. 
And let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus our Lord, in the name of Jesus. How many of you just say, I receive that higher dimension. Say it out, I receive that higher dimension, Lord. That, that dimension that your word speaks of. Not some hype, not some false excitement or enthusiasm. But Lord, we seek you with all of our hearts. We want more of you. We want... We long for you, Lord. We need an awakening in our nation, God. Where else can we go but to you, Lord? We come to you. If you hadn't been on our side already, all of our enemies would have swallowed us alive. But you are on our side. You are for us. You are for us, oh God. If you are for us, who can be against us? Lord, I pray that people will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that people would hunger for the gifts of the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that people would seek you in your word, Lord. We praise you. Come on, would you just hope, posture yourself before we take the, Lord, the elements? Would you just tell the Lord, I, I want all that you have for me this year, Lord. Come what may, Lord, I want to be in your will. I want to know your will, Lord. I put my flesh on the back seat and you, your spirit in the front seat. You drive, Lord. I'm riding with you, come what may, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, raise up some Daniels and Esthers. Raise up some young men and women for such a time as this. For we are a such a time as this church in a this kind of world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are a this kind of church for such a time as this. Glory to your name, Jesus. Let a bold, urgent faith be released in this house. Hallelujah. I sense victory in here this morning. I sense the authority of the Holy Spirit being released. Hallelujah. Anybody else out there feel what I feel in the name of Jesus? Holy Spirit, confirm your word, Lord. Let it bear witness in each of us, O oh God. Lord, may there be moments that Chuck and Candace look at each other this year and go, Wow, I thought I was thinking big enough. I thought I was ready. I thought, I, no, we make ourselves not arrogant. We quiet ourselves. We humble ourselves. We will not be concerned with matters too great for us. Therefore, we will be like a child who leans its head against its mother's chest, comforted in your presence, praying, fasting, seeking you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I, just, I sense the stream of renewal. I sense the stream and the call for revival. Glory to your name, Jesus. The Lord would say, some of you have longed, you have prayed for this revival, this renewal for decades. Some of you have cried out for this particular community, Alpharetta and Roswell and Milton. And the Lord would say, I've heard your cries. And I'm about to release from heaven that which your, your heart has longed for. In the name of Jesus. In your neighborhood. In the name of Jesus. Among your friends and your family. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we just agree God is in this place this morning. In the name of Jesus. The night before Jesus was betrayed. Right before he was crucified, at the last supper with the disciples, he took the bread and he said, this is my body, 
which is broken for you when you eat it. Do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat. Thank you, Lord, for your healing virtue. After the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood which is shed. It's the blood, the cup of the new covenant. My blood which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. When you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink in remembrance of him. Thank you, Lord. We're forgiven. Sons and daughters, we are forgiven. He's a perfect father. Shame, guilt, condemnation. Cease and be no more in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Now I've asked the band to be prepared to lead us in that song we started with this morning. It's going to be our theme for the next six weeks. There's nothing our God can't do. Turn and tell two people around you. Declare it. There is nothing our God can't do. Now let's sing it. Here we go. And just one word You, you calm the storm that surrounds me You believe it? And just one word The darkness has to retreat Oh Just one touch I feel the presence of heaven Just one touch My eyes are open to see My heart can't help but believe There's nothing that our God can do There's not nothing that we can move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God Think about these lyrics on the second verse. Come on, declare it. Just one word. You feel what's broken inside me. Do it now, Lord. Revive every dream in this place. You revive every dream. And just one touch. I feel the power of heaven. Come on, open our eyes, Lord. To see you in just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do, there's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do, there's nothing. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can Come on. Let faith arise. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power. All right, hold on. How many of you sing this and you mean it? I'll believe you for greater things. You, so, a choice you got to make. Are you ready? 
How many of you say greater? No, come on, say greater. Greater things than we've ever dreamed for. I believe you for him, Father. In the name of Jesus. Come on, sing it out. I will believe. Let me hear you. For greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Come on, sing it out. Let faith arise. And let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe. For greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. One last time, just the voices. That our God can do. There's not a principle we can break through. Praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. Come on, last time. There's nothing that our God can do. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can do Father, in the name of Jesus We align ourselves with your word We set out to seek you And to give you the very first part of 2022 Simply be God in our lives Be God in this nation You're first, Lord And as our nation has removed you from being first, we are paying the price for it. We intercede and we pray as your sons and daughters, we make you first again. Revive us, O God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And so I speak life and blessing over this family of believers. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. I receive it. Say it. I receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'd like to see you. We start fasting Tuesday. Love to see many of you Tuesday night. We'll go through February 12th, and I look forward to all that God's going to do. Happy New Year, everybody. We love you. Have a great afternoon. There's not a mountain man. Oh, praise the name that makes the way.